0: An investigation into how the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the government agency charged with protecting the health of American citizens, concealed and destroyed data on their 2004 study that showed a link between the MMR vaccine and autism. This alarming deception has contributed to the skyrocketing increase in autism, potentially one of the most catastrophic epidemics of our lifetime. And that is the summary of the story behind the, f- the film Vaxxed. Uh, the film was directed by Andrew Wakefield as well as produced by Del Bigtree. And that producer of Vaxx is joining us here today. Del Bigtree uh, also was an Emmy Award winning uh, producer of a CBS program called The Doctors. Uh, Del Bigtree, welcome to film school.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Mike. appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Well, I think anyone who has heard the word vaxxed in the last two months is aware of the controversy surrounding the film, Uh, its uh, aborted attempt to be a part of the uh, Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, There's a lot of controversy swirling around uh, the film, the director and Dr. Andrew Wakefield, I want to get to the heart of what the film is about. I want to talk about the issues that are raised in the film. Uh, We can talk at some point, maybe later down down the line during our interview, about the other stuff. But let's talk about what the essence of this film is, Vax. In your words, please summarize what, what the importance of the film is in your mind.
1: Well, I mean, as you stated, I was a producer on the daytime talk show for six years uh in medicine as a medical journalist uh we're very well aware that the statement about vaccines has been that they are perfectly safe they do not cause autism studies have been done to prove that um, and that was sort of the repeated bumper sticker slogan that I walked around my job with and everyone around me but uh there was a real shift a real change in this story and it happened in uh late 2014 when I was tipped off that there was going to be a whistleblower from the Centers for Disease Control who was going to come forward and say that vaccines were essentially causing autism, specifically the MMR vaccine, that they, that this scientist, Dr. William Thompson, had been involved with four other scientists on the MMR autism study in 2004, sometimes referred to as the DeStefano study. Um, And uh, that they manipulated data, they threw kids off the study, they threw out data, they did everything they could to hide the fact that their data was showing them that this MMR vaccine could be causally linked to autism. Um, When I heard that, I was extremely alarmed. When I did my investigation and finally ran into Dr. Andy Wakefield, who had already begun a documentary on the subject... I met Dr. William, uh, Dr. Brian Hooker, who is a scientist that this whistleblower was calling and confessing these things to. Dr. Brian Hooker decided to start recording these phone calls because of how damning the information was and to make sure that it was recorded so that Dr. Thompson couldn't just change his mind all of a sudden one day and say, I didn't say that. Um, and our film is all about this whistleblower. It's all about the statements he made. It's all about this one study, the MMR study uh, that took place from 2000 to 2004, and the manipulation of that study. Uh, Dr. Thompson has provided documents, data, internal emails, um, all backing up his assertion that the CDC committed scientific fraud. And I believe. It could arguably be the greatest scientific fraud, medical fraud, of of all times. Okay. It's it's an extremely alarming story.
0: Okay, let, let's let's back up a half a step and talk about um, what has happened in the general population in terms of the occurrence of autism as a part of as part of the birth rate.
1: Right. So you know, in 1970s, 1980s. Approximately one in ten thousand children was being diagnosed with autism. Okay. Um, we have seen an exponential increase in that number. Uh, that now has us. The Centers for Disease Control um, claims that we're at one in sixty-eight children now um, are being diagnosed with autism. A poll last just a, just really last year uh, of all the United States found that it was more like one in forty-five children. And if you talk to scientists that are really directly involved in working with autism, many of them think we may be somewhere nearer to one in 25 children born being diagnosed with autism right now. Uh, One of the statements, uh, Stephanie Seneff, who's an MIT mathematician, computer analyst, uh, doctor, uh, she's just taken this mathematical, you know, put it on a grid and 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 said this is an exponential curve if we follow it the way it's going um she's come out with a statement that by 2032 one in two children will be diagnosed with autism um that's i mean that's an extremely uh, aggressive statement but all it's saying is if something does not stop the current trend that trend leads us to one in two children or 80% of all boys, because autism affects boys more than girls, by 2032, 80% of all boys being born will be being diagnosed with autism. So this is a catastrophic epidemic. And I think what's alarming and I want people to think about is I know that your listeners are not aware that the numbers are that high. And you have to ask yourself, why in all of the news reports, why have I not heard that this autism epidemic is reaching catastrophic levels. Why is it never talked about? Uh, that was something that really sort of lit the fire under me when I started looking into the story.
0: Okay. Now I want to go back. I know that in the film um, Vaxxed, uh, that uh, there are there was some discussion that prior to 1930, um, it wasn't even basically a subject of much if any scientific research i assume there must have been some occurrences of autism but as it's described in the film virtually so few that it was it it barely registered as a scientific endeavor it
1: did not register in fact the okay. only known case of autism didn't appear until the 1930s okay. um, and people have tried to argue that it may have existed before then but if you think about it you know, really some of the best diagnosticians and, and you know, clinical scientists like Freud or Tussaud, these guys that went around to insane asylums, basically, and they couldn't cure disease, but they were extremely talented at, at defining diseases and writing in these books every malady they found. And we don't have a single historical case anywhere around the world of children that sit in corners of room, bang their head against the wall, have a lack of ability to speak, um, seem to have stomach issues, just all of the things around autism, it just literally appears out of nowhere in the 1930s, which flies in the face of anybody that tries to say this is a genetic disease. Obviously, genetics take hundreds of years, uh, if not thousands, to sort of develop and evolve. Um, We're talking about a disease that's only been here for, you know... What eighty years or less?
0: Right. Okay. All right. Well, I want to back up because I, I want to. I want to make sure that sort of we we approach this. Uh, you know, this sort of a I'll say a scientific uh, approach to what we're talking about here. Pa- I would assume, and I don't know this. You can help me with all these all these questions I'm going to ask you. I don't know the answer to, and I don't presume to know what the answers are. But I would assume that in 1970, when we started to to track autism, there was virtually very little, if any criteria to judge what autism is and and, and sort of as at what the implications of the of this were i would assume that as we've moved along we've been able to diagnose a more refined diagnosis of what autism is and we're finding that there are a spectrum of people on the autism uh uh,
1: yeah yes scale it's called a spectrum it's called the autism
0: spectrum okay and you're right so so that is so that is one reason why the diagnosis is going up. I don't think it fully explains what you are are talking about in your film, but I think our ability to understand what autism is has contributed to what we would perceive as many, many more people as birth rate being part of that spectrum. So I just want to kind of account for some of that. Is that a fair
1: statement? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. There's no doubt that, you know, in the 70s, 80s, there were probably children... Uh, being diagnosed as just being, in those days we would just call it retarded or handicapped and not really defining what it is, especially I think in in lower income populations where there wasn't a lot of, you know, you weren't going to the doctor a lot, a lot of money wasn't being spent on researching what was wrong with your child. So certainly um, there has been some of this increase could be attributed to better diagnosis, but not at the exponential level we're seeing. You don't go from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 68 simply because you learned how to diagnose an issue. Right. doesn't
0: Right, and, you know, and the diagnosis uh, for most autism is obvious. Even if we didn't understand what it was for a long time, it's, 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 there's not something that is generally as subtle that we wouldn't understand or see the the symptoms manifesting themselves. Correct. These are these
1: are these are children that many times, you know, the many times parents really can't even handle the child. So these children would have been put into institutions um, if there was that many of them. We just don't see this. Again, we don't see a history of these children in institutions, Um, and we have gotten better, obviously, at treating these children, but we just don't see a history of. You know, institutions, mental institutions filled with what we now call autism. Um, There would be records of that. So it was very rare. I mean, one in 10,000 to me really, I mean, I'm not, I want to be clear up front. I'm a filmmaker. You know, I'm a a medical journalist. I'm not a doctor. But, you know, one in 10,000 is basically saying really, really rare. Right. You know what I mean? It's not, I, I wouldn't say it's a specific scientific number. Now that we're at one in 68, one in 45, those are much clearer, yeah. cleaner computation.
0: I just want to, yeah, and part of what this line of questioning and, you know, my responses have to do with is sort of distilling this down to its essence, which is we are seeing an uptick, we have seen an uptick in the amount of diagnosable autism, somewhat because we're better at it, but a lot of it has to do with something that we're unable, the medical uh, uh, establishment seems unable to explain. I think is that a fair statement there's sort of this component to this film where where you're putting forward in vaxed a an idea of ma a contributing fa- a possible contributing factor seems to have links to an attributable uh, 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 source and the yes. medical well, di- and the medical profession hell, i 'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt but I just want to make sure I get this so the medical establishment seems to have virtually no. Answer to why there's an increase in in autism, but just denies that this is even a possibility. Is that?
1: Yeah, the the official statement by the Centers for Disease Control, or Sanjay Gupta, or any of the news programs that reference the CDC. The official statement currently is: we do not know what's causing autism. That's okay. it. That's the scientific statement. That's the depth of their understanding of this a skyrocketing epidemic. That is alarming in itself.
0: Well, that, um, that, that's why I wanted to get to that, Del, Uh because yeah. uh, you're putting something forward, uh, and, and the merits of which I think need to be discussed and, and, and scientifically determined. This medical establishment is saying, no, it's, we can say without, with absolute certainty it's not what is pause, posed in the film Vax, but we don't know what it is. Is that... right so let me let me okay, clarify
1: okay. Okay. When, yeah, but let me clarify when you say you're putting forward um, oh, sorry. we we are not actually putting forward. what we are doing is making a documentary one of their own scientists, one of their own top scientists, Dr. William Thompson mm-hmm. is the one that's come forward and said, we know that the MMR is one of the reasons uh, that autism exists. Uh, one their own study inside the CDC so, I just want to clarify, that. Okay. I know you didn't mean any way, but the the film is a document, you know, documentary about one of the CDC's own top scientists coming forward and saying we've lied to the American public. Okay. Uh when we're saying we don't know, the truth is when it comes to this MMR vaccine, we actually do know and we hid the truth.
0: Okay. All right. So we I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the producer of the film Vax and that would be Del Bigtree, uh, as we said earlier, uh, uh, history of uh, involvement and in certainly in investigating medical issues uh, as a producer, on an uh, Emmy award-winning producer from the show The Doctors, and is the producer here of Vaxxed. Okay, so let's get to the heart of this. Let's start talking okay. about the investigation of Brian. I'm sorry, did I, Brian Thompson? I'm sorry,
1: what is? Yeah, William William Thompson. William Dr. Thompson. William pardon Thompson is the whistleblower and. Brian, Dr. Brian Hooker is I'm a sorry. scientist that the whistleblower reached out
0: to. Right. right. And it has to do with a study about the, this particular vaccine that covers measles and mumps and rubella. So this, it's, a, it's, a, it's a triple vaccine that is administered to children at about 18 months.
1: 12 to 18 months is the recommended CDC schedule. Okay.
0: The introduction of this triple vaccine began when?
1: Well, they really started using it in the 70s. There were some flawed versions of the MMR. Um, two, two of the three products really uh, created meningitis outbreaks in several parts of the world and were withdrawn. Um, that's sort of a longer story, but yeah. the mumps strain they were using was um, causing meningitis. So they changed out the mumps, and so the MMR that we're now using really you know, sort of started really coming into fad, I guess you could say it, in the 80s, and by the, you know, the late 80s, 90s, was the the vaccine of choice in dealing with measles.
0: Okay. And that, by the way, I'll just kind of very quickly recap. The original MMR was introduced into Canada where there was an outbreak of meningitis, Went and it was repackaged and reconfigured, I'll say, it went to Britain, where it caused an outbreak of meningitis, and then it ended up down in Brazil with the predictable results. So, Correct. I mean, so, it's, it's, no. it's, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it's, it's sad when you watch the pharmaceutical industry that's supposed to be looking out for people's health, knowingly just renaming things and leaving it and handing it to other countries to create other dramatic events like meningitis outbreaks. Things should have been destroyed the second it caused an outbreak in Canada instead it spread around the world and was
0: used. And as many you and times. as you alluded to, this is this is not unusual in the in in the history of pharmaceutical industries dumping um, discredited medicines medications uh, in other parts of the world. So, okay, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, by the way, I want to remind our listeners as well if they want to find out more about the film about uh, Vaxed and. From Cover-Up to Catastrophe is the subtitle. They can go to the Vaxed vaxxed, dot uh, com to find out more about it, find out what we're talking about, get an in-depth look at it, and where they can see the film if they choose to. And I assume that in the not-too-distant future, we may see this on other platforms besides seeing in a theater. So hopefully the opportunity for people to see this. And one of the things I'm thrilled to have you on today, Del, is because uh, the film has been vilified, reviled, and to a lot of people's minds, discredited, but it's like a lot of things, we only know about the sort of the, the process questions about films like this or controversies. We don't actually know what it was that started the controversy or why or the different points of view. And so, again, thank you for being here because I think a lot of, there's a lot of smoke here and I want to try to get to where that smoke is coming from in in terms of what you're saying in the film and why you're saying it. So I appreciate that. Um, so we have now I think we've established now that the, the, the introduction of this vaccine, what came first? Were we seeing more uh, cases of autism or did the CDC start investigating any sort of uh, the, the drug itself? Where, where are we in that mix?
1: So, yeah, uh, what's really interesting is the, you know, a lot of the heat on this film comes from the film's director, Dr. Uh, Andrew Wakefield. Um, This doctor, most people have a bumper sticker slogan, I call it, of the fraudulent doctor from from the UK that first um, said that the MMR was causing autism. Um, That's sort of how people know him. Uh, It's a real it's a, that into itself is a, a hoax and a fraud that we could get into. But okay, the point yeah, is, yeah, yeah, what's really interesting is, it, very, very quickly, uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, um, he had, was a gastroenterologist in the UK who had published over 140 different scientific papers. He was considered to be one of the premier gastroenterologist scientists in the world. Um he had been he had just done a paper with um I believe it was twelve co authors, but many co authors on Crohn's disease. And a mother contacted him and said, My son has autism. I'd like you to take a look at him. And Dr. Wakefield said, Um, you must have the wrong number. I don't know anything about autism. And she said, No, but I just read your your paper on Crohn's disease and I believe my son has an intestinal or bowel issue very much like that he's doubled over in pain he you know he sometimes has extreme diarrhea or it can be constipated for weeks at a time um but i believe it's connected to the autism so that's how this whole thing started with dr andrew wakefield in the end they had 12 different um, families come forward all describing the same thing this what was supposed to be a neurological disease. Autism, this is in 1998, was when this happened. Autism was considered to be strictly just a neurological disease. But these parents were all coming forward and talking about uh, a gut-bowel issue going on. And so the study that we're talking about really was a study, was there a novel bowel disease connected to autism? And so that's what these 12 of families submitted their children to look into. Um, They did find uh, direct correlation between this an intestinal disease and ulcerative uh, colitis that connected to the autism. In fact, one of the interesting things in the study, when they would clear the child's intestinal system the day before they were gonna do colonoscopies to see what was happening in the intestines, when they would do that clearing, Many of the mannerisms of autism disappeared in these kids. The head banging, the rocking, um, the stemming—what they call it—these repetitive motions would either disappear completely, but or, or certainly lessen. And so they were, started recognizing there is a connection between the intestines and this disease and the neurological problems. So it, it became a much more evolved um, diagnosis of this disease. Uh, And that's what the paper was about. It's often called a paper that connected, you know, the MMR to autism. That's just not true. Uh, Where that comes from, for people that don't understand it, eight of the 12 families involved in this study all made the same claim. They all said, my child's autism started right after the MMR vaccine. They had a seizure or a fever right after they got the vaccine, and then they, they regressed into autism. And I really want to stress the word regressed mm-hmm. because even when we look back in time, in the 30s, when we talk about this 1 in 10,000, autism used to be something that was a child never developed they as soon as they were born had developmental issues that was called autism Mm -hmm. what really appears around this the introduction is MMR is a new type of autism and that was a regressive autism so people often confuse this they say oh autism starts at one year old or two years old that's not true originally autism always was there at birth they never developed the ability to walk or talk these are children the regressive children our children that were walking, talking, developing perfectly normally, then got this MMR vaccine and lost those abilities, lost the 100 words they were speaking, lost the ability to walk. So that's, that's, that's something we have to make very clear. And so in this study, 8 of the 12 parents blamed this autism on the MMR vaccine. So it was really a side note to the study. And, you know in a in a case study which is what this is you have to write you know you have to write the entire history of the child's experience everything their pediatrician said every doctor that met them and everything their parents thought and said that's what a case study is uh in the end the paper never made a definitive claim about the MMR causing autism it literally said at the end of the paper this paper does not uh, prove a causal link between the MMR vaccine and autism, we recommend that more studies be done on this subject. So all, you know, across the board, people have been lied to about this. They say, oh, he said the MMR caused autism. Not true. They also called it the Andy Wakefield fraud or the Andy Wakefield study. They leave out the fact that there was 12 co-authors, top scientists in their field, They were all involved in every aspect of the study and signed their names after reading and combing through every word. And you have to ask yourself, if 13 scientists all worked together on a study, why didn't only one of them have his license taken away? Yeah. Um, so but that's not what the movie is about. I'm just giving you a case history and
0: what's interesting. Well, that's what. Is Dr. Any, yeah that's what right. Dr. Wakefield is known for now. this, Correct, this, this study that known. was pulled from Lancet and that was his right. this is right. the tra that he is being sort of uh, bill of well, it's one of the calling cards of people who have sought to yeah. discredit him
1: right. Okay. And so what, well, the reason I bring it up is because of that study in the UK in 1998, by 2000, um, Andy Wakefield and other scientists were, were sitting before our Congress. They'd come over from the U.K. and were talking about the fact that they wanted more scientists looking into this. We have to investigate this MMR vaccine. Now, Andy had all he, you know, he had said, "I just want people to be able to have the single measles, single mumps, single rubella vaccine." which was available at the time he just thought let's keep them single there's something about mixing these three live viruses together that may be causing a problem didn't say definitively but we should be studying it there's too many parents that are all saying the same thing this one vaccine was destroying their children so let's at least just leave the single vaccines available well and then so then Merck pulled the you know they basically pulled the single vaccines so that you could only get the MMR in the United States and the Ministry of Health in the UK did the same thing. So it was, you know, there was a concerted effort to suddenly make us have to use the MMR vaccine in the face of, you know, a growing number of parents that were saying that this was a defective vaccine. So because of the statements that were made, the CDC decided, or actually the IOM, the Institute of Medicine of the United States, told the CDC, look into this matter, look into this MMR vaccine, and let's see if there's a problem. And the theory around the study that is now in question in our film was, is the earlier you get the MMR vaccine, does that you know leave you with a higher propensity to acquire autism um so that's what the study looked like did the younger you got the mmr vaccine make you more susceptible to autism and that's exactly what they found in several subgroups uh and so the film is based on data that had been thrown out data we never saw and um and now dr thompson provided it to us and said here is the real data of the 3,000 kids that were in this study, and you will see anomalies. You will see things that never appeared in the paper. And when you run that data, you immediately see things like an increased risk of, of autism in, the, in African-American boys, for instance. Uh, an African-American boy that gets the vaccine between 12 and 18 months, when he's supposed to, based on the CDC schedule, is 3.56 times more likely to develop autism than the children that wait till after three years old. So basically, you're 256% more likely to get autism if you get the vaccine as an African-American boy between 12 and 18 months versus waiting till after three years old. These are the types of things we reveal in the film that Thompson um, has come forward and said. It's extremely alarming, uh, skyrocketing incidences. There's another thing called um, isolated autism, which means perfectly healthy children that were developing perfectly normally with no side issues no epilepsy no other mental retardation they were perfectly healthy up to 12 months of age then right at the time where they would get the MMR vaccine they were up to 7 times more likely to develop autism than if they had waited till after 3 years old so it's an incredibly uh, disturbing Revelation and the fact that so much of mainstream media is, uh, you know, making false statements about our film and telling people not to see it. Is is really scary. Uh, We're not making this up. I'm not making this story up. Doctor Andrew Wakefield is not making this story up. This story comes from one of the top scientists inside the CDC. If we can't get stories like this to the public, if this isn't news, if this isn't important enough to investigate, I'd like to know what is.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let me let me go back because I I would explore a little bit. I I mean, oftentimes when I hear what you're saying and I'm listening on the radio I, I yell back at the radio follow the money and yeah, I, now but I but before we get to the follow the money question because I will ask in a second but the the idea that that uh, Burke and that's the that's the company the pharmaceutical company that has been I assume they're the ones who have been are they the sole proprietor of the M- yes. MMR okay so Merck,
1: I, Merck has a monopoly on measles you have to understand that One of the things we're asking for in the film is simply to have single measles, single mumps, single rubella vaccines made available again. We want to break up the MMR for parents that want to. If you believe in the MMR, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you otherwise. I would prefer to have the single measles. I still think we can protect. I know we can protect against measles with a single vaccine. Why do we have to have the group vaccine? And people go, well, that's people that see the film say that just seems like a perfectly reasonable request. Why isn't that happening? Well, I mean, you can only guess one of the reasons is that Merck loses the monopoly. They have the patent on the MMR. They do not have the patent on single measles, single mumps, single rubella. So then it it becomes a bidding war and the price gets driven down. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about a situation where the only reason we in the United States of America, who should have every choice available to us that we want, the only reason we're not getting this other option for what we believe would be a safer way to protect against measles. We're not getting that option because Merck wants to make more money and they care more about money than they care about the health of our children.
0: Well, we're going to get to that. And I and I that's interesting guys. I I I wonder if there's ever been posited a explanation as to why they suddenly and other I assume other sources pulled out of the single uh vaccination game and um so that that seems odd. I mean that there there that they did that. I mean there's something suspicious. I should say about that. That uh, I think bears in, in further investigation. Uh, that that's just weird that 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 happened. Yeah. But uh, okay. So, um, and 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 I think you got to a point in in our discussion where I think it's important to point out the film Vaxxed is not. Telling people that vaccines should not be given to their children. And let's let's get this on the table. This is. Would you characterize this is not an anti-vaccination film or documentary? It,
1: yes, is this it, is not an anti-vaccine movie. I mean that you know every review that you see. That's the pharmaceutical industry trying to scare people from seeing our film. But we, if, if that was our perspective, certainly wouldn't we be celebrating that? We're trying to make vaccines safer. Yeah. We are extremely alarmed at the statements and the data coming out of the Centers for Disease Control. This agency is supposed to be protecting our children, and it appears they are putting our children directly in harm's way. Uh, we've had one million children diagnosed with autism since the day this paper came out and said the MMR is perfectly safe. And you have to understand this was the last paper or the last study that the United States government ever paid for looking at a link between vaccines and autism. The CDC was so sure that this or made such a definitive statement that we've done it, we've proved they're safe, that now we are 12 years behind. For 12 years, the United States government has not done any more research on our vaccines on our vaccine schedule to see if it could possibly be causing autism. And now when you find out that this paper is a fraud and the government of the United States stopped all funding looking at the safety of vaccines because of this fraudulent study, this is extremely alarming. Um, beyond, I mean, honestly, it's, to me, this is the biggest story in the world right now. This is going to make Watergate look like a child's game.
0: And that um, we're, we're referring to Dr. William Thompson, who worked at the CDC, co-author of the study that he now says contains information in it that is dishonest. It's intellectually dishonest, at very least. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and it's and again, vaxed is not an anti-vaccination or vaccine. Uh, the point of view is not that you're what you're positing right. here is you're proposing is let's go back to a single. Uh, vaccination for each of the different diseases, uh, childhood diseases that we've been that we continue to need to be vaccinated against. Yeah, I mean that's that's
1: that's the first thing we would like to see happen immediately. But clearly, we need to create an independent testing body that's firewalled against pharmaceutical interests because uh, the CDC has failed us. It has failed. So it, it does call into question. All of the vaccine studies done at the CDC, if they're they're lying and and cheating on this one, then we need to look at all of them. We need to make sure that these are all, you know, up to satisfactory standards. And something that really shocked me as a a medical journalist when I started working on this film is the realization that our vaccines are not tested uh, with the same rigors that all of the drugs that we take are. I was astounded by this. Um, I think, you know, I would think most everybody in this country believe vaccines are being tested with the highest level of um, scrutiny, and it's just not the case. In fact, uh, vaccines are considered uh, biologics, so they sit in a different category than pharmaceutical drugs. So they are not going through long-term safety studies with placebos. Double-blind studies, double-blind. Double-blind studies, it's not going through that process. Right. Uh, So, you know, just the simple process of, you know, we all know how science works. You give 500 people a drug and you give 500 people a saltwater tablet they think is a drug. And then you see, are there more side effects and complications with the people that took the drug? Um, That's the basis of all scientific research, and that is not happening with vaccines. So we are literally testing, doing far more testing on Viagra a pill we're going to give to grandpa than we are on the MMR vaccine, or or if you think about it, the hepatitis B vaccine, which is injected right into our baby's bloodstream the very first day they enter the world. You're talking about the most fragile state the human body will ever be in. That vaccine has never been tested as much as grandpa's Viagra. That sh- That has got to change immediately. We are literally just, just, just randomly making our children test subjects
0: yeah and one and, uh, and our minor listeners were speaking with the producer of the film Vaxxed, uh, uh from uh, that would be uh Dell big tree and um yes, yes yeah, so now I'm just trying to get to the uh the subtitle I'm sorry, Vaxxed from cover up to catastrophe uh, so and and I think again that's really really important um that that what you said that this the level of testing that goes into vaccines as opposed to the pharmaceuticals in Viagra, I think is a good example because it is obscene that that is that is the case that they, you would have a situation where uh, our boner pills have gotten more uh, double blind or they've gotten a double blind study and and our yes. vaccines have not
1: um, yeah obscene yeah obscene beyond i mean that it's, it's hard to even think of a word that could ex- explain the, the how wrong that is.
0: I, it is. You're right. I I agree with you. And this is something that's rarely, if ever, discussed in sort of mainstream uh, medicine in terms of our information. And that is something was right. completely new to me. I had no idea. I would. I assumed the other otherwise. So, uh, and the the other thing. I think if you know, if we're talking about why these things. By the way, I'm, just, I'm, I'm I'm skipping around here. I'm sorry. Pardon me. Let me stop and okay. take a, take a breath. It's, it's all and, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that is that. This is sort of a, a side note, um, but I think it's important to note that the pharmaceutical industry has been very active politically, including the the, uh, the law that was passed in the 1980s or 90s that essentially shielded them from... Sure. What, was, what was that? Talk a little bit about so, that.
1: So, yeah, so a lot of people don't realize this, that in 1986 we passed the Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. What happened was there was a DTaP vaccine that was getting a lot of lawsuits it was it was creating massive health problems in a a growing body of children and instead of fixing the vaccine the pharmaceutical industry basically blackmailed the government they said to ronald reagan we're going to stop making vaccines if you don't protect us from liability and so that's exactly what took place the 1986 vaccine injury compensation act took away the liability from from drug makers uh, when it came to vaccines. Now you can still sue on a drug. You could still sue if Viagra, you know, makes you paralyzed, but you cannot sue if a vaccine paralyzes you or kills you or kills your baby. You cannot sue the uh, manufacturer. And so what's really interesting is the moment this got passed in 1986. So, so basically the entire, so what happens now is if your child is injured. Every vaccine has a tax on it. So basically the taxpayers are putting a ton of money into a bank account so that when children are injured, there's a, a separate, what they call it vaccine court, and it has nothing to do with the pharmaceutical industry. They don't have to come in and defend themselves. Basically, the government just pays you out. You say, look it, my child's an invalid now, can't speak, can't walk, is in a wheelchair the rest of their lives. This happened because of the vaccine and the government says, "Okay, here's three million dollars or, you know, whatever they think it's going to cost to raise that child through the rest of their life. And to date, since that Vaccine Injury Compensation Act was passed, the United States government has paid out over three billion, three billion dollars in vaccine injuries. So anyone that tells you vaccines are safe, just wrap your head around that number. They are so safe that we've had to pay out. $3 billion in injury compensation. And And also it's important to note that right after that, that bill was passed, the amount of vaccines given to our children tripled. Suddenly it became extremely lucrative, lucrative for pharmaceutical industries to put vaccines on the mandatory schedule because you couldn't sue them. So all of a sudden, like, oh, geez, I got this one for that and this one for that chick. Let's throw chickenpox. Let's throw diseases that never killed anybody in there. Why not? Because if they injure kids. We can't be sued. So we literally tripled the amount of vaccines that our babies get now than we all got when we were children. And I'd like to just ask people, did you feel like you did okay? Didn't you think you had enough vaccines when it was just polio, just measles, just sort of the major, you know, smallpox? Yeah, We, we all live just fine. Why do we need to be tripling, quadrupling the amount of vaccines our children now get? Does that make sense?
0: Right, there's a couple of things here to add. That that fund that you're talking about that's paid out the three billion dollars is actually taxpayer money. You're, so taxpayers are Correct. paying taxpayers back for for uh, defective products that are being issued in the form of vaccines to us. So that's one yeah. thing to say. Secondly, there is a there is a push among the pharmaceutical industry to, as you said, more more vaccinations, not just for for. Uh, babies but also as we move along in life so there's there's sort of middle-aged vaccines and older and elderly vaccines and i do know from my own travels that vaccines are an incredibly lucrative revenue stream for pharmaceutical companies they're very very lucrative and once the government is mandating that you have to have it it's obvious that this is an extremely lucrative revenue stream putting aside the merits or not of these different vaccines and we could probably go on for hours about the that that the effectiveness of this but the fact is is these are just dead cinch uh revenue profitable revenue streams for these pharmaceutical companies there's no denying can you that.
1: imagine can you imagine if ford had passed a law managed to work with you know uh some government officials mandate that everybody has to buy a pinto mm-hmm. even though it wasn't the best car ever made it was flawed it had issues can you imagine if the government had said you have to buy one you just have no choice that's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about a product that we don't have a choice about. The government, and, and you're, you're talking about the most powerful lobby, the richest lobby now in the world. They've bypassed oil. They've even bypassed the, the, you know, the weapons industry. The most money in Washington now is being spent by the pharmaceutical industry to put all of our politicians in office. Uh, This is not we're we're getting outside of what the film is about, but one of the reasons I'm passionate about this topic is people do not realize that the future of the pharmaceutical industry is in vaccines. If you think about the fact that drugs can be sued, drugs have to go through longer safety testing, then you start realizing it's too expensive to make drugs anymore when you have this free ride with vaccines. If you can call it a vaccine, you don't have to test it. You can put it on the market without much testing, and if it hurts people, you can't be sued. It's the perfect storm. It's, it's a you know, And to wrap your head around what kind of money we're talking about, one of the first sort of new vaccines in the cycle. there's, There's actually 270 new vaccines that are coming our way in different stages of development in the pharmaceutical industry. One of them that has come on the market recently is the Gardasil vaccine, the HPV vaccine. Uh, if, you look, if you go on the CDC's website, they recommend that 9- to 26-year-olds get this vaccine, both boys and girls, or men and women, if you're 26 year old at that point. Now, imagine that's mandated. Imagine, and it has been mandated in Rhode Island, by the way. I think it's Rhode Island. And they're trying to mandate it and add it to the schedule around the country. If they mandate the Gardasil vaccine for all 9- to 26-year-olds, Merck would make $30 billion in one year. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the, you know, the desire to rush a vaccine on the market without doing the proper testing when that's the kind of money they're looking at making. And that's one vaccine Mm -hmm. in one year. Think about 270 in the pipeline and think about an industry that, as you pointed out, isn't just working to mandate these vaccines for our children they are currently working on laws to mandate their vaccines for the entire adult population too we are about to become human atm machines for the pharmaceutical industry and anyone listening i would just like to say this do you think you're going to die i'm talking to adults right now that think they're pro-vaccine across the board Do you think you're going to die if you don't get vaccinated for the rest of your life? Because what people don't realize is all of your childhood vaccines at this point have worn off. You've been walking around unvaccinated, carefree, not worrying about dying. Um, And the truth is, is you're doing just fine. We're all doing just fine. But the pharmaceutical industry is going to try and convince us that we need these things.
0: Right, and I want to close the chapter on this because I do want to get back to, a, to our discussion yeah. about Vax. But there's a couple of things that you you brought up, and I think are are relevant. Um, and that is that the trade agreements that are currently being considered, the TPP and the T, uh, the one with Europe, the TIP, I believe it's called uh, uh, agreements, are in fact. Uh, pharmaceutical extending patents for pharmaceutical uh drugs uh g- eliminating um the ability of people to make um the so called uh, the knockoffs the uh uh, the generic generic, dr- generic drugs right. are being uh, eliminated by virtue of these trade agreements that are being considered by the United States Congress and all over the world. And these trade agreements are really literally designed to lock down the entire world in a, in a sort of a court system, in a, in a uh, adjudication system that highly favors these companies like Merck and like all the other ones that are out there. Smith Klein and we can go we can list them a number of them that are making yeah. hand over festival all we need to do is go back to the history the most recent history about the the guy who jacked up the price of uh, the AIDS drugs by several thousand percent and we go back to the AIDS epidemic when we now know that those drugs could have been made for virtually pennies on the dollar, but instead the pharmaceutical companies artificially kept those prices inflated to the deaths of many thousands of people. So, I mean, there's blood all over the place when it comes to pharmaceutical business practices. Okay. I
1: mean, I, I think I think the ones that just, just while we're there very quickly, yeah. Merck, the company that makes the MMR, I think the most recent um, issue we all remember was Viox. That's Vioxx what I was thinking of. Was, you know, Viox. Yeah killed over 50,000 people before they were finally sued and had to settle with a multi-billion dollar settlement. And it was proven that in their own testing, in their own studies, in their own paperwork, they knew that this drug caused heart attacks. Mm. And yet they hid the fact and they put it out on the market. This is the company making your child's vaccines. They have a history of not caring about your health. So people that scream and yell about our film, or scream and yell and tell me that I don't care about children, you're dead wrong. I'm here because I have children. This is this company is 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 vile in the way that it works. Okay. It has no concern for humanity.
0: Oh, Dell, Dell Victory. We've just we, thank you. So I mean, let's get back to Vaxed, okay? So okay. so let so people can find out more about the film they can find out where it's going to be screening we can go to vaxed v-a-x-x-e-d the movie dot com to find out more uh... just any closing thoughts about why people should be interested why they should care why they should seek out your film
1: if you want to know the truth you have to go to where the truth is being given um... if you, you know most of the newspapers most of the news agencies are telling people, do not see this film. I think that that's creating curiosity because we're opening in theaters all over the, the nation and all over the world we're getting requests, so it's not working. But I would say this. You live in a free country that's about free thought, free you know, expression, and journalism is, is what I do. I'm a filmmaker. I've simply turned the cameras on people telling their story.
0: We've edited
1: that together and made a movie. Why is that movie getting kicked out of Tribeca? Why is it kicking, getting kicked out of Houston World Fest and, and you know, different theaters here and there and being censored? Because they don't want you. The pharmaceutical industry does not want you to know the truth about what they think about your children's health or how they're looking at you or the CDC. They, they want you to continue to believe that you should move along without worrying about vaccines. I want vaccines to be safer. I know they can be. We are the greatest scientific minds in the world in the United States. But if we continue this lie that these things are perfectly safe and let our scientific bodies hide it when they are flawed, hide it when they have issues, then how do we make it better? So if you want to to see what this film is about, you have to see it. No one's going to hand it to you. I mean, we will try to get it in BOD and all of that. It'll be coming on video on demand. We're going to make sure everybody gets it. But if if you decide to not watch it because you want to stick with the mantra you've been handed by the marketing teams at Merck and Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline, then I can't help you. I can't help you. All I can do is make a movie and do the best I can to bring you the truth. You have to go to a theater. You have to see it yourself to really figure out how to, Make sure your children are protected
0: it's a it's a dialogue it's it's information it's there are things uh, that uh, we should be talking about and this is a these this is an industry that in my opinion is essentially um unregulated to the degree it should be unaccountable incredibly incredibly powerful politically in this country uh and I think we we at least need to have this just a very open and honest discussion and hold the people who can make this industry accountable accountable. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much uh Del Bigtree the producer of Vaxxed and the and go to com. I just looking at screening it's you're right it's screening uh, opening this week here in the Orange County area at the Regency South Coast Village as well as in San Francisco, the Bay Area, Texas uh Honolulu San Diego San Diego Honolulu. yeah so yeah. it's opening as you said and 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 hopefully people will w- go in with an open mind and and uh and and check this out uh Del Bigtree, thank you so much uh for being here on film school
1: thank you for having me thank you for being a journalist thank you for not being you know afraid to have a discussion this is what the United States of America is about You're representing for journalism, and more and more people like you need to step forward and do the same thing. I really appreciate it, Mike.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar.